Kevin Clark, the host of This Is Football over at Omaha Productions. Man, it's really good to be with you today to chop it up all things week four NFL action. Honestly, though, I'm really, really, really looking forward to doing this without Tony Reale's mute button ruining our fun. I get to say whatever I want here because Tony held me accountable for saying the Cowboys were the best team in football two weeks ago. I said the Dolphins were the best team in football this week. So I get to say what, like, I'll just say the Broncos after beating the Bears. They're the number one team of power rankings right now. It's fine. Tony can't hurt us. Well, Kevin, the good news is Tony can't hurt us with the mute button. But this Chiefs-Jets game, man, it nearly killed me. Because this was supposed to be another Travis Kelsey showcase for his, you know, relatively unknown new boo, girlfriend, whatever they are, Taylor Swift. But it was decidedly not that. How do you describe what we just watched on Sunday night? A Zach Wilson miracle? Um, (laughs) Everything I've seen from Zach Wilson in his Jets career seemed to undo itself for one night. Do I think it's permanent? No, but let's just enjoy it. Um, Wilson used to hold on to the ball forever. He was indecisive. And what it looked like on Sunday was on the biggest stage when you'd think uh, with the Chiefs defense has been playing really well over the past couple of weeks, uh, he'd collapse. He actually changed everything about him. He was getting rid of the ball quickly. He was making quick reads, um, just getting the ball into hand, throwing dimes, frankly. Um, and so I was stunned. Uh, the Chiefs play games like this, especially on offense, uh, like, you know, every couple, to, you know, a couple of times a year, three or four times a year, especially early in the season. That part didn't surprise me. What did surprise me is how well the Jets played. We're about a quarter of the way through the 2023 NFL season. And in some cases, it's gone about as you'd expect. The problem with those expectations Sometimes you're the Chicago Bears. So for teams like Dallas, Buffalo, and Miami, they are who we thought they were. But then you get a surprise like the Jets almost gave the Chiefs and Taylor Swift, nearly leaving us all looking like the foolish one. So today, Kevin Clark, host of the This Is Football podcast, tells us who's living up to their potential and who's already fallen short of the mark around the league. I'm Justin Tinsley. It's Monday, October 2nd. This is ESPN Daily. Kevin, I know the phrase statement game is thrown around a lot. But what we saw in Buffalo felt like a statement. I mean, just last week, we saw the Dolphins hang 70 on Denver. Now Buffalo put up 48 on them in what was a really ugly 28-point loss. And, you know, surprise, surprise, it was the two biggest stars on the Bills' offense that made this one go for Buffalo. So how exactly did Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs have their way against Miami? Well, you mentioned statements, and obviously I'm not a huge statement in September guy, but here's a statement, which is that the Bills were able to do a lot of the things the Dolphins do really well. Um, they used motion, I think, on all of Diggs' three touchdowns. I saw a stat there that there hadn't been a three-touchdown-with-motion game like that on record um, that next-gen stats has seen before. Um, so they almost, in some ways, out-dolphined the Dolphins. Um, that's the statement, Justin. And 
I think that we always close the door on eras too long. Like Joe Burrow, I think had the most instructive thing uh, in, in years last year when he said the window for them to compete in Cincinnati is as long as he's there. I believe that's true of any elite quarterback and Josh Allen is that. So the idea that there'd still be Diggs and Allen and all these guys and the, the window would somehow be closed was ludicrous. What we saw today was the bills announcing that they're still here. Um, they were making the dolphins miss tackles, which is something that, uh, the, the dolphins did a week ago at a historic rate against the Broncos. I think they almost had 30 forced missed tackles. Well, the bills did that to them too, um, today. And so what we're seeing today is a bit of a fatal flaw in the sense that the secondary is not where it needs to be. And I'm talking right now i'm talking on october 1st i think we've seen that the dolphins still have a little bit of work to do before we can put them up with the greats of the nfl um they're still a top top team they're still a top top offense if their red zone efficiency and their their finishing drives are a little better today this is a very different game a much closer game um but it was an easy recipe which was on vertical routes they really torched the dolphins and they pressured Tua all day long um it is not a mystery how to beat any team in the nfl and the bills did it you know, before we turn to this Bills defense, I, I need this moment for a second. I got to mention the way that Diggs popped those beers a la Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> on his first touchdown. The 14-year-old in me was ecstatic. I'm still pumped up watching it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But, Kevin, as you said, they pressured Tua. Like, how did that happen? What did Buffalo do? Well, a couple of things. Number one is this is all – and by the way, this is both sides of the ball because Jalen Ramsey isn't back for the Dolphins and Vaughn Miller is not back um, for the Bills. But uh, Leonard Floyd was getting after it, getting vertical upfield all day long today. Um, there was a – and listen, like they've invested a lot. And I remember Brandon Bean, the GM um, of the Bills, who told me a couple of years ago that they went – uh, defensive lineman, defensive lineman in the first two rounds of the draft, two, their first two picks um, two years ago because they wanted to beat the Chiefs. They they understood you have to get pressure on the quarterback. And so what they've built is a front seven that's fast, athletic, can get after the quarterback and, and adding in free agents, not just obviously Von Miller, um, but but uh, Floyd as well. Um, veterans, young players, like this defense knows how to get after the quarterback. And it was a pretty simple uh, recipe today. Um, but this team is built to get after the quarterback, and we're finally starting to see what that looks like on a grand scale. So saying the Buffalo defense was impressive today against Miami is an understatement. But there was some really bad news to come out of this one if you're Buffalo. Our own Jeff Darlington has tweeted that Tredavious White is feared to have torn his Achilles in this game. What does this loss mean for Buffalo going forward? It's huge. He's one of their best players. He has been for a long time. There's a lot of top-end talent on that team. It has rarely been healthy at the same time. Von Miller isn't even back this season. Um, they've had injuries all, all through the secondary. And so I don't want to say it puts a ceiling or some sort of limit on what they can do this year. They can absolutely make the Super Bowl, win the AFC, win the Super Bowl, um, even without a couple of pieces. And by the way, most teams by now have a significant piece out for the season um, at the top of the NFL. But it is a massive, massive, massive loss, especially through the context of how unlucky they've been with injuries the last couple of years. All right. So, Kevin, let's head over to Nashville, where the Titans handled the Bengals 27-3. And look, with apologies to Derrick Henry, who ran 422 yards and a touchdown, he passed the great, the great, the great Earl Campbell Mm -hmm. to become the number two rusher in Oilers Titans history. And oh yeah, he threw the third touchdown pass of his career. But honestly, man, the story here is the slow start for the season for the Bengals. Mm -hmm. 
We know that Joe Burrow is playing through a calf injury. How do the numbers back that up, Kevin? Yeah, well, uh, they're, they're across the board, um, not counting Zach Wilson, who was in a category of his own. Burrow had the most uncatchable passes in football coming into this week. Wow. Um, when you consider Joe Burrow's accuracy, how much his vision helps his game, that should never happen. It should never happen. And you're always going to make mistakes, especially when you're under pressure. But you should not, if you're Joe Burrow, have those sort of numbers. That suggests something is very wrong. T. Higgins has been banged up. And by the way, even when he was healthy, T. Higgins, I think in, in week one, Justin, uh, zero catches on eight targets. So yep. it's not like their chemistry has been uh, on point, you know, since the beginning of the year. We understand now that he needs a training camp. Like there's some there's some pretty hard evidence on, on how important that is um, for Joe Burrow, especially because he's such a field player. He needs to see that vision. His vision needs to be sharp. Um, but here the, here's the stat that blew my mind. He is via uh, our colleagues, ESPN Sports Info. He's the first quarterback in NFL history to attempt 150 passes or more in the first four games and average fewer than five yards an attempt on those passes, okay? Which means he is just not driving the ball down the field. Now, it's important to remember that he has mastered the deep ball. I think he had the most deep, I don't think, I know, he had the most deep touchdown pass in the NFL two years ago. Last year, the defense is basically put a lid on it, um, sell out to stop the deep pass, and he starts working his way on uh, inside with shorter passes and, and kind of takes the check down, right? But this is not that. This is just his inability to move the ball down the field with his arms. Um, and the calf injury is preventing him not only from throwing it deep, but also from scrambling, which I know that, you know, I, I don't think he's, he's ever going to get, you know, 800 rushing yards in a season, but what he can do is get 12 yards when he needs it, get 14 yards when he needs it, can open up holes in the defense because he can go and scramble. Not everybody can do that. And a lot of the quarterbacks can do it better, but it is a part of his game. And so I think we're seeing all of these things flow through the calf injury, but this is getting very, very, very worrying for me as someone who picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. I mean, look, man, talk about when it rains, it pours, too. After the game, star wide receiver Jamar Chase voiced his frustration in the locker room. I'm open. I'm always open. Excuse my profanity. I'm sorry. Kevin, Kevin, talk me off this ledge here. I know the Bengals started off slow last season and they ended up in the AFC title game. But why does it feel so different this season? Because it wasn't this slow. Because the highs were higher in the in September of last year. We're already into October. And because the calf injury had a flare-up. Last year's training camp issue was appendicitis. You can't, I mean, God forbid, I guess you can, but you don't really have um, setbacks with appendicitis. You don't get it again. Cap injuries, you can. Right. Um, and so th the biggest thing for me, Justin, is like Jamar Chase, and I've talked to him about this. He's used to being able to do whatever he wants to do on a field with Joe Burrow. I remember he told me a story that their first game, I want to say it was against Chicago when Chase got into the NFL. Uh, they literally threw a go ball just to see if they still had the deep ball chemistry they had at LSU, and they did. Burrow looking deep for Chase, and Chase makes the adjustment, and Chase will walk in for his second touchdown of the season. They've been playing pitch and catch now for five years, six years all over football field. Yep. And the fact that they're not able to do that right now is really worrying for them. Um, and so I think that's a frustration. I'd also say you cannot, I mean, this is Higgins as well, don't overstate how much contract talks uh, overshadow anything with scheme uh, before you get paid. Um, you know, it's really easy for us to say, 
that a player making six, seven, eight million dollars a year should not worry about money. But if the, if the, the opportunity is there to make 20 to 30 to 35 in some cases, you want to think about that. And so um, that there's a bunch of players in that locker room who haven't gotten paid. Burrow has. And so if things start to go south, you start to worry about that, frankly. Coming up, things aren't only rough and sensey. When we come back, we look at a few other trouble spots around the league. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to, say, $100 and below. You can also sort by category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash today. That's Macy's.com slash All right, Kevin. The Chargers beat the Raiders 24-17, and Khalil Mack had himself a day. He sacked backup quarterback Aiden O'Connell six times on the day. But the big story here is Justin Herbert, who appeared to injure a finger on his non-throwing hand, trying to make a tackle during an interception. Look, Mike Williams is already gone for the year, and Brandon Staley's job is seemingly on the line every single week. What does life look like for the Chargers if Herbert's injury is actually very serious? Wow. Um, It's (laughs) two-pronged because, first of all, I I do believe Brandon Staley will eventually be fired at some point this year. Um, I was thinking about it when I'm watching this game, and I was saying, what are the stakes? Well, the stakes for me are... If Brandon Staley had lost, it's possible he'd be fired on October 1st or October 2nd. If he wins, knowing kind of what I know about the Chargers organization, he could be fired in January, right? So barring some huge run here, I think this is Staley's last season there. But um, Herbert is, I mean, it's no huge revelation to say he's he's the biggest uh, beacon of hope in, in the franchise. I was intrigued to see that they were still running plays suggesting he was not hurt. And what I mean by that was they ran a short yardage tush push on fourth and one, which I certainly wouldn't do if, if my quarterback probably shouldn't be taking snaps under center with a, a bum left hand. Um, that kind of injury shows up on the margins. Um, does he fumble when he gets sacked? Does he um, screw up a couple handoffs? Does he screw up a couple of of snaps. So it's going to be more of that. So it's going to be less notable, noticeable. It's not going to be much of an excuse um, for Brandon Staley. If they lose four straight games or something like that, Herbert is the franchise he's paid like the franchise. And so um, it, the, the future is bleak kind of no matter what, because I just don't like that roster. Um, Herbert has to play better than anybody in the organization by a extreme magnitude for them to have any success at all. You know, you just used the word bleak when describing the chargers. Let's move over to Chicago, where the Bears lost again. This time to the Broncos, 31-28. And this was a really tough loss for Chicago. I mean, 
they actually went into the locker room up at halftime 21-7. It was the biggest halftime lead they've ever had under Matt Eberflus, their head coach. But then it all fell apart. Kevin, what the hell happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was trying to figure out what was the bigger sin for the Broncos. Giving up 70 points, giving up 700 yards of offense, or making the Chicago Bears look okay. Um, they got out of it uh, with, a, with with a win, and so they don't. They, they are not guilty of making Matt Eberflus and and Luke Getzey look like great coaches. Um, but man, um, if you're Chicago right now, I don't know how it gets any worse. Chase Claypool, who they traded what amounts to a first round pick for, um, when you see that it was a thirty second pick. Obviously, last year the Dolphins mm-hmm. don't have a first round pick. They traded uh, the, for Chase Claypool for that, and he's basically it sounds like been sent home. At one point, Eberflus said it was Chase Claypool's uh, decision to stay home. I guess he knew he'd be inactive, and then they clarified and said, no, 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 we, we told him to, so there's not everybody's on the same page there. This is as big a tire fire as you can possibly get. Oof. I don't know who's going to get fired, but a lot of people should. Um, I don't know. I mean, Bears ownership is usually a little more patient than some of the other franchises in football, so I don't know if it's going to happen right away. But this isn't working. Um, I'm a bigger Justin Fields guy than probably most people in media, and I haven't always been. I wasn't. I didn't say he was QB one coming in or anything. But I've seen enough of a floor to where if I'm an O coordinator, I know there are things you can do with him, things that the Bears are not doing. So my feeling is get him a fresh start somewhere. I don't think they're going to trade him. They they don't really have any other options. But uh, at some point, everybody's just kind of go to their own separate ways in Chicago. So it appears that the end is near for the Eberflus era in Chicago. And in a vacuum, you might say the same about Mike Tomlin's time in Pittsburgh. The Steelers lost 30-6 to to the Texans on the road. But you got to think, and I really, really hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, that Tomlin has earned himself a mulligan at this point in his legendary future Hall of Fame career. But Kevin, can you say the same for his offensive coordinator, Matt Canada? No, and that <laughs> candidate needs to be fired immediately. Mike Tomlin's going nowhere. The portion of the fan base that thinks Mike Tomlin is the problem doesn't know anything about football. The way he's overachieved has been, in most years, has been miraculous. The way he's taken good rosters and made them better has also been impressive. Um, Matt Canada has done none of those things. Um the way that they have become so predictable is astounding. Mm. Um, they are not, I don't know if you saw this, I, I guess CBS had said that Canada told them they're not built to come back from from big deficits. Well, <laughs> you're playing the Houston Texans, Matt. You're not playing the Dolphins, the Bills, the Chiefs, a team like that. You're playing a, a rookie quarterback in a team that seemed to be actively tanking a year ago and didn't get that much better outside of a couple of positions. You shouldn't be losing to this team, let alone getting blown out, let alone making excuses for it, okay? Um, the way they're doing, they're, they're handling Kenny Pickett. Um, I saw a stat that 63% of his uh, first down passes were behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, today, uh, they just don't, and, and they those don't obviously uh, don't even have any success when they're thrown. Um, it, I just don't know what the plan is here. Um, there was a report a couple of weeks ago that he was going to start um, working closer with Kenny Pickett. Was that supposed to help? Like, what? Why did Why did that report come out? <laughs> um, and so I, I just I hate it. Um, the whole era. 
you know, one of the great, and I, I've said this a million times, but like I, I, it does, again, not that we should feel sorry for somebody making seven, eight, nine million dollars in that level, but it does break my heart when you start to see a franchise failing a young quarterback, just because I know in, in football, geography is destiny. If you go to Andy Reid, good things happen. If you go to back Canada, if you go to the Chicago Bears, things don't happen well. Um, and so I, they've got to make a, make a decision sooner rather than later. I don't want to see Matt Canada call another game. After the break, the Cowboys are back. I think. I hope. Kevin will make sense of it all. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Kevin, I'm a Cowboys fan, so you know I'm contractually obligated to get them in the show somehow. But they bounced back from a really ugly loss in Arizona last week to beat the Patriots 38-3. What exactly should I make of this win? I mean, honestly, I, I learned more about the Patriots than the Cowboys, but we'll, let's st- stick on the Cowboys for a second. So long as Micah Parsons is healthy, and he came out of the game a couple of times, but then returned, played late into the game, um, I feel amazing about this because Diggs goes out for the season two weeks ago. There's some concerns about it. They lay an absolute egg in Arizona. And again, I'm not surprised by this result, but I wanted to see it as a team that, as a, as a pundit who really believed in the Cowboys this year, thought they'd win the NFC. Um, I thought that a month ago, still think that now. Um, I just thought that last week was a total collapse and I didn't want to see it again. So to come out to handle business at home, to make Mac Jones look like a rookie again, um, to give Belichick one of his uh, biggest losses ever. Um, that just shows you the, the team that that we think. And I'll, I, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I will put myself uh, arm in arm <laughs> with you because I predicted they'd be pretty good this year. Um, th- they are the team that was promised. And I think we're going to see that over and over and over again uh, this year. They're a very good team and they proved it today. Look, putting your faith in the Cowboys, let me tell you something. The Cowboys and me, it's the most toxic relationship of my life. I want to be happy about this win, but I also know how previous seasons have ended, so I I won't make too much of this win. But you say you learned more about the Patriots. And we saw Bill Belichick pull Mac Jones in the third quarter and enter, well, re-enter Bailey Zappi. What does this mean for Mac Jones, and what does this mean for Belichick, and what does this mean for the entire New England Patriots franchise? 
It's, <laughs> it's not good. Um, I thought Mac Jones could do a couple of things. Um, I thought he was mechanically sound. I thought he was pretty good at getting the ball out quickly. I thought that he was capable of not throwing across his body and throwing an interception. Well, he kept doing it over and over again. He threw uh, one pass across his body, uh, across the field, um, that was successful. Then he did it again, and it led to, I believe, a pick six and at least a couple of other turnovers. Um, he's not playing smart football right now. I don't know if that's him pressing. I don't know if that's uh, something deeper in the organization. I don't think it's coaching. Bill O'Brien is a much better coach than Matt Patricia was last year. Um, but something is not coming together here. And I don't know what happens. I've I've been of the theory, like, I always thought it was weird all offseason where people are saying, well, you can't put Belichick on the hot seat. You can't put Belichick on the hot seat. Was well, anyone asked Robert Kraft that? Can, like, you know, like, anytime anybody brings it up on one of these talk shows, well, no, don't be stupid. At, at some point, does Robert Kraft look at this and say, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore? My belief is that Belichick has earned one more year than another coach would get. I think he will get that. Um, but if this is a disastrous season and we'll see if it is, I mean, there always is a, normally there's a, there's a floor with defense with Bill Belichick. That's normally a little higher than what we saw on Sunday. Um, but he'll be able to eke out some games. He did well against the dolphins two weeks ago, but man, at some point, if he starts getting embarrassed like this, it's, it's about that time. It's about that time. Again, I think you're looking more at one more disastrous season before Kraft makes, makes some sort of call or has some sort of meeting. Um, but I, I just think that you can't have many more Sundays like this and people still say it's an impossibility for you to be on the hot seat. So before we get out of here, I want to take a quick look at the earliest game of the day and the Jaguars beat the Falcons 23 to seven from Wembley stadium in London. And I'll be honest with you, Kevin, it's really hard to watch Desmond Ritter at quarterback for Atlanta and not feel like they're just wasting a season, not just with Ritter, but their other skill position players too. So how do you explain going into the year with Ritter as the plan? And how can they adjust midseason? First of all, I'd say going into this season, Ritter was a supply issue. There are not a lot of good quarterbacks around. They probably could not have. They, I, I think they should have pursued Lamar Jackson. Don't think that they would have gotten him, whether that's because of spending restraints or just the Ravens were going to match. Um, but they should have done it. They should have made the call, at least showed their fan base they care. Ritter had been in the system. Arthur Smith is really good at um, scheming up play action, scheming up blind throws, and Mariota last year couldn't do it as well. So the thought was Ritter would be better than, than Mariota, but it hasn't, if that's even true a little bit, it hasn't been significant and significant enough to matter. Um, their roster is good enough to make the playoffs even with, let's say, a Un, below average quarterback play, um, just below average. And so I think they're still banking on that. Their schedule is very, 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 very easy. Um, their pass rush has improved dramatically. Last year, they had the worst pass rush percentage in the NFL. This year, I think it's almost 50%, um, which is significantly higher than it was last year. Still not elite, still not, you know, the Cowboys here, um, still not the Eagles, but it's it's much better. And so um, they've got the pieces. They just need average quarterback, again, below average quarterback play. Taylor Heineke can give you that, and I think it's time. Kevin Clark, my man, thank you so much for joining me. See you soon, man. I'm Justin Tinsley. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.